welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. The fact that everyone easily survives death is a human certainty now, no question. It's been known for certain actually for more than a century, but still far too few people personally know what is actually known about the certainty of human survival. And that fact may be the central tragedy of modern human existence, because knowing for certain that your life is eternal changes everything. It abolishes fear, so it raises your spiritual vibration. It makes you see everything in an eternal frame. So you care as you've never really cared before. It makes you happy. It quite literally changes everything in your life for the better. Before you know that you really are living forever, you go through every day of your life, maybe something like carrying a pallet of bricks bounced on your head. You aren't consciously thinking about it at every moment, but still you know that at any moment you might just blink out like a light forever. You don't know when it's going to happen, but each next minute could be your last minute. You may not even be aware of it when it happens. You simply one day will no longer exist. And really, when you think about it, what could be more pointless than being alive and struggling through all your days, working hard, making plans, when you have to carry that burden of knowing that each next second could be the end of it forever? But in fact, now we know for certain that precisely the opposite is true. And when you really know that, the fundamental human sadness that weighs everybody down, you know, that sense that you could cease to exist at any moment is gone forever. (laughs) That pallet of bricks you've been carrying on your head and keeping it balanced because if it falls, you die. All that just flies away like robins into the sunshine. It's just so different. Everything is different. You straighten up, you laugh for joy. Okay, now imagine a world in which everyone knows the truth. Imagine the singing, the joy, the peace, and maybe even the sudden absence of crime and cruelty when everyone on earth is sure that it's impossible for them to ever to die. Well, we can, we can imagine it, but how do you make it happen? Our guest today is the most prolific worker in any field that you ever can imagine. This year alone, he has published, I think it's six books, I've lost count. Each one of these books is a masterpiece. I haven't written a book as good as any of these in my entire career. Nothing daunts him, nothing slows him down, and now he's tackling this greatest of all human challenges, this, this need to convince everyone on earth that life is eternal. And He's tackling it the way he tackles everything else, head on. This is Dr. R. Craig Hogan's 32nd appearance on Seek Reality. In eight and a half years, he's joined us four times a year. Actually, this is ever since this program started way back in 2013. And each time, Craig has had something new to talk about. There, There are lots of experts in various aspects of afterlife studies, you know, consciousness studies, mediumship, EVP, all kinds of things, but 
every afterlife field is narrow. So it's hard for you if you're just, you know, listening, maybe listening every week to us or, or doing some random reading. It's hard for you to guess how it all fits together. But Craig Hogan is the world's leading expert on everything related to the afterlife and how it all fits together. All those narrow fields all come together and they make perfect sense. And Craig can show us how that happens. Of late, many of us in this field have been increasingly bothered by the fact that the amazing truth that human life is eternal is still something we hug. You know, we say, well, one, one day closer, we say cheerful things, but it's a hobby, really. For most people, it's just a side interest. But it really is the core human truth, and it belongs to everyone. So our dear, wonderful friend Craig has set out on a quest that's going to take him the rest of his life. He has assembled 15 kinds of evidence that all of us easily survive our deaths. And he's put it all together in his terrific new book called You Will Never Die, Evidence Bought Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. For my case, I'm a skeptic by nature, but what finally convinced me decades ago was the fact that there are so many different kinds of afterlife evidence and they all fit together and show us the same reality. How likely is that? And this book gives you all that evidence in one place. It's a must read for anyone who wants to know that life really is eternal. Craig is with us today and he's going to, actually he hopes to break new ground. Let's see how this works. And he plans to play for us bits of recorded conversations that living people have had with dead loved ones. He'll be explaining these rare communication methods. And this, keep remembering, this is just a tiny, tiny bit of all the afterlife evidence, but it's pretty dramatic. Craig, welcome. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm looking forward to this. Roberta, it's such a joy to have an interview with you. And as you say, there's so much evidence today and people don't realize it. And and it's a shock to their systems to realize when, when they find hear the evidence. And, and, and this is so much further than they had ever thought they would go in understanding. And we, we can take them to that point, but it just boggles the mind. And we just, all we can do is just give it to them and, and say, this is really real. Uh, no, don't doubt this. That's the part of it, I think, that, that thrills me the most. It isn't that we have, we have hope. We really know it's impossible for it not to be true. There are so many things that science is certain about for which there is so much less evidence than there has for the fact that we never die. Um, it's just, it's, it's just, um, it's very, I'm so happy you've made this your big cause because you're the only person who could really do it right. And, and you, I think you're going to do a wonderful job of this. I love your book, but let's get right to it. What are the, what do you think these are the most interesting and perhaps convincing aspects of all these 15 areas of afterlife communication? Well, I think that the, the most compelling evidence that we have is the recordings because we have recordings of people whose bodies have died and they come through and, and they speak to their loved ones, people who know them well, they wouldn't have a mistake about recognizing their personality and their voice and, and what they say to them. There's love in all of their messages and that love comes through to them and they come through and speak and we've got the recordings. So yeah. that, and and uh, we have the recordings from, from two, from three areas. Uh, one of them is direct voice, and in direct voice, then a person sits in a room with the, this, a direct voice medium, and they, the direct voice medium has a, a unique talent. They're able to sit in a room, and voices come out of the room. 
they can come through an ectoplasmic voice box that forms on them. But regardless of where it comes from, they come into the room. So the person who's living in the life after this life comes through and speaks. There are only two people sitting in the room, the medium and the person who is the loved one on this side. And you hear three voices because the person from the other side is coming through. So we have these in direct voice mediumship. We have the materialization mediumship where people actually come into the room, materialize and speak to their loved one. So we have those. And then we have uh, recordings that are in EVP or ITC that EVP is electronic voice phenomena and ITC is instrumental transcommunication. And so we have the recordings where people sit down and ask questions and the answers come onto the recording and we can play them back and listen to them. Tremendous evidence that we have. So this is the, this is the most compelling evidence that we have today. Why do you think, given the fact that there, the evidence is so abundant and so overwhelming and so consistent, it's like all different aspects of the same reality come right through. Um, why do you think that, that scientists are so determined to pretend it doesn't exist? Yeah, it, it's part of their uh, paradigm. It's what they have grown up to believe from their childhood. And then it was reinforced among their scientific community. And so nobody talks about it. Nobody will, will go further with that research that they should be doing because the evidence is there. They're just not looking at it. And I think that they are afraid of it. I think that uh, there is a possibility that this could upend their view of the world, their their own efforts within their discipline, their their tenure, and and as a result, tenure, yes, yes. Result of that, it's scary for them, and so then they refuse to look at it. And what they're doing is they're they're sticking their fingers in their ears. And they all agree that nobody will talk about it. Nobody will agree. And, and what's going on is the same thing that went on with Galileo. When Galileo showed, he had through, looking through his telescope, he had the proof that there were there were moons around Jupiter. He had the proof that Venus goes through phases, and and that would show that the Earth is revolving around the Sun. That the Earth is not the center of the universe. And when he asked the the scientists and the clergy at the time to just look through his telescope, just look and see, they refuse to look. And so that's where we are now. This, yes. That's this right. Mentally refuse to look. And, and it's because of the fact that they, they really don't believe there's anything there, but they're scared that if there is something there, it's going to be different from what they know to be true, and they will no longer be at the top of their discipline. And so that's scary for them. And, and if they put in most of a career, and they've still got to get the kids through college and they're trying to build their retirement you know, funds. Um, and this all happens, it throws the, the entire work of their lives into, into question. I think that that's what's going to happen when it, everybody knows this, that the truth is the truth. There's a century, more than a century of science that is going to basically go into the hopper. It'll be they'll be useless because it's all based on a lie. Uh, and the other thing that happens that, that happened with the clergy first, when they refused to think that th these things might be true, first with the clergy, they were holding all of the spirituality all in in their own province. They were the ones who were the caretakers of yes. spirituality. 
And so then they refused to let people, the common ordinary folk who were having these experiences, uh, describe them to other people. And so then they, they made them, they said they were sinful and, and they were bad and they were wrong. <laughs> Because they didn't want other people to to learn about them, because that would have taken the control out of the clergy, out of the priesthood, and then they would no longer would have control that ordinary people were having the same kinds of things or more profound things happen than yeah. the clergy were having. Then they were able to give, and then science did the same thing. Scientists can't allow people to have their own discoveries because, after all, they're the scientists. They're the the experts in the field. Uh, and, and in fact, in the uh, 18th century, in the, the French Academy of Sciences refused to listen to the peasants, to the people who were coming in and telling them that there were rocks falling out of the sky. And it wasn't until decades later that they, that they agreed, yes, there are meteorites. And it actually happened. And the, the reason for that is that they, they cannot believe that ordinary people, that everyday people, can have experiences that are more profound than either what the clergy has or what science has. And that's one of the reasons they can't allow people to share these and come up with the experiences that are independent of them. Babel, if you listen to um, any scientist, just about any of them, they will say all of this is nonsense. They are wrong. They're lying to you. And the reason they're lying, as, as Craig says, is that they just refuse to look at the evidence. If you, if, if you close your eyes real tight, stick your fingers in your ear and hum loudly, you'll, you'll never you know, see whatever's in front of you. And that's how they have protected themselves. But Craig, don't you think that, that it's getting to be harder for them to do it? I mean, it used to be you would see, you know, maybe even debates. You'd, I was getting emails from people who uh, what I was doing was terrible, you know, eight, 10 years ago, but not so much now. I never hear from any of these people now on the religious or the, the scientific side, I think because they don't have any answers. They just don't really have any answers to the truth. And science you hear from people anymore. Yeah, and science is coming around to the truth. So we have quantum mechanics now that's telling us about spooky action at a distance. Yes. Right. Which uh, things can be separated uh, a universe apart, and yet they have an effect upon each other. And that consciousness then affects reality, that consciousness is giving rise to reality when uh, reality isn't there until a conscious observer looks at it. Yeah. And Science is now coming around to this, and reluctantly they're dragging their feet, but they, they are seeing that there is much more to the universe than they had ever, ever thought there was. But many of the scientists now are putting that, not putting the two and two together. So they're not putting this together with what we know about the universal reality and about the life after this life. And so they're not putting what they know to be true now about spooky action at a distance, about about uh, the quantum mechanical uh, fact that reality is produced when we observe it. And they're not putting that together with what we know to be true now about the greater reality and about the afterlife. Yeah. But they yeah. are from from that end, they're coming around to it. Oh, and kicking and screaming, but they, but they, but they, the, the younger ones are, I, obviously it's going to be someone who's young now, um, who is finally going to be open-minded enough to really look at how it fits together. And I think you're leading the way in that because, um, 
ultimately the the only way for people to be able to to see this on you know broadly see this is if if that you can see i mean when i was a child i looked up and i wondered where grandma was you know swinging her feet sitting on a cloud looking down wistfully where is grandma well science now the science of the afterlife now explains where grandma is what's going on and it's all consistent with the evidence it all works fits perfectly and so when people begin to see that i think it's going to be that some young person is going to grow up just knowing it and that person will come up with a consciousness theory of everything that eventually science has to accept i don't know how else this happens except it may also be helped along by some of these amazing voice phenomena that, that you want to share with us. Um, I, I, I think, I, I guess what's hard, what, what I want people, please, everyone listening, please take away today the fact that what we're talking about is the truth. And when it's known by everybody, that truth is going to change the world in, in so many positive ways. We can't even, we, we, we would have to spend two hours even mentioning all the ways. And yet science, for its own narrow purposes, is preventing people from being told the truth. If you take nothing else away from our conversation today, please understand what an evil that is and why it's so important that we all learn the truth now for ourselves, share it with our children, share it with our friends, and begin to share it with the world. Because this is not something that Craig Hogan could do alone, or he and I can do together alone. This is, this is a job for all of us to save the world from the ignorance that is really the, the core reason why everything is going so wrong. So anyway, but now we want to talk about happy stuff. So, so the floor is yours, my dear. What what would you like us to to hear and tell us more about the communication methods? Because I think that's that's fascinating to people. Yeah, we uh, in the book uh, there are fifteen areas of evidence, but those that are the most profound are the recordings that we have. So, we actually have recordings of people who whose bodies have died. We've known they've died. And they come through and they speak to loved ones who are sitting there talking with them, having a conversation like they were talking over the breakfast table. And they're having the conversation and the loved one on this side of life couldn't mistake that. It, it couldn't be that they, they might think that this was a fraud and this was being made up because they are familiar with the person. They're talking about things that they know to be true from their life reminiscences about what, what has happened, but also then even about current things. So they come through from, in the, from the life after this life, and they speak to them about things that are going on in their life at that moment, at that time. So obviously, they are very much alive. They are involved yes. in lives. They're coming back to the earth plane to speak to them, and they're telling them about things that have happened in their life. So we have the recordings and, and people just have to listen to them. There was a medium in the 20th century, his name was Leslie Flint. He was a direct voice medium. Direct voice medium means that, that the medium sits in a room and voices will come out of the air uh, or out of a voice box that's made out of material from the medium's body. And then the person from the life after this life will come through, speaks through that voice box to the person who loves them, who's sitting in the room with this the medium. So Leslie Flint would have people come in, they would sit with him, and then they, they would have the person from the life after this life would come through 
speak the words to them, have conversations with them, and we have the recordings. So we have the recordings today, and we have thousands of these recordings. We have parents talking to their children, children talk to their parents, spouses talking to each other. And they have extended conversations about what's going on in their lives. Uh, and most people don't realize that this is true. These, these recordings are available now. They were made in the 20th century. And so now we have many of these recordings. And I have in, in the book, I have the links to the recordings so that people can actually listen to them. So they go from the book to their computer and, and bring up the recording and they can listen to it. And so what I would like to do is I would like to play a couple of them today so that uh, people can hear what it, they sound like, uh, if that's okay. Of course. <laughs> so this is the first one. Now, this is a man named Dr. Dinshaw Nanji, who was a professor uh, at a university in the UK and lived in Sweden, uh, moved to Sweden after he retired. And he would come through to Leslie Flint twice a year, two times a year. And he would speak to his wife. His wife was named Annie. She had died in 1966. And these were these recordings were in the in the 70s. And so she was well uh, dead and but <laughs> her body was dead. But uh, she was very much alive. She's alive, living in the life after this life. And so she would come through and speak to Dr. Nanji sitting in the room with Leslie Flint. So it's just Dr. Nanji and Leslie Flint sitting in the room. So I'm going to play one of them and then I'll explain more about what it is that, that they are like. This is Dr. Nanji uh, is, is, um, is sitting in the room. Annie, his wife, comes through in spirit and she speaks to him about what a ring and a lock of hair that he has with him. This is the, the recording. You have got my ring in your pocket? Yes. And also the lock of hair? Yes, everything when thing is with me. All the various things yes, associated with us both. Yes. Okay, so that's what it sounds like. That was Annie Nanji <laughs> from the life after this life. She comes into his life, spends the day with him. She spends, she's with him constantly. She goes to meetings with him. She sits with him. She walks down the street with him. And, and of course, she's not seen. He doesn't realize that she's there, except that he knows intuitively that, that she's there. But he, he doesn't see her, but she's with him constantly. And so then she comes back into his life and she speaks about what it is that happened in these Leslie Flint seances. So uh, that was the first one. And uh, so I have some more I'd like to play for you. Oh, please go ahead. Yeah. That, what, what's interesting is that she sounds clearer than he does. And he's just an, a living person sitting in the room and she's in spirit. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. And she's articulate. And the, the voice box allows her, what happens is they on the other side, they who are in the, living in the life after this life, come into the room with Leslie Flint and their loved one. And what they do is they have to project their thoughts into the voice box. They don't speak they're, they're from the other side. They're, they're, their voice box is somewhere in a coffin or, or has been cremated. So their voice box is not there. But what they do is they project their thoughts into the voice box that is in, with Leslie Flint and the voices come out and this is a phenomenon that occurs because the universal intelligence allows it to happen 
allows this to occur. And people on the other side have learned how to uh, make the voices come through the voice box. And so they have scientists and chemists who are working with the people on the other side to be able to communicate. And so what she's doing is she's just projecting her thoughts into the voice box. They come out as voice in the air and then we receive the voice. But it is her voice. She's able to remember, I guess, how her voice sounded. So she's able to use her thoughts to create her voice and have it projected into the room. There is breath going through the voice box because it has to vibrate the air. But she doesn't have to really remember what she sounded like because of the fact that the the universal intelligence allows this to happen. It's simply a, a law of nature that's a new law of nature that, that people are going to realize. I love it. <laughs> it's a law of nature. Law oh, of my nature. goodness. What a great time to be alive. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So what she can do then is she can project her thoughts into the voice box and the voice box then will come out with her voice as it sounded when she was alive. And you can hear her accent. And uh, so it is very much her voice. It's just that it's coming out through the ectoplasmic voice box. So I'll give, show you, give you another one. In this case, Annie goes around with Dr. Nanji everywhere he goes. She's always with him unseen. He goes to the cemetery with her. And he goes there to commemorate her. He goes over to her grave and, you know, like people normally do. And, and so she goes with him. So she's standing next to him when he's there. He doesn't realize that she's there, of course. But this is her comments about his going to the cemetery to commemorate her. Why do you still go to the cemetery? Well, darling, how can I pass your birthday without my... I appreciate it, but I'm not there. I'm not there. No, no, I know that. And uh, I see you go there, and it makes you depressed. Yeah, I, no, no, I'm not depressed. No? No, 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 I'm not depressed. And the flowers. But, but, the, but the fact that I have cleaned it up and... and Put the bushes around. I know. Them. I see you. I watch yeah, you I do there. it, and I think I, I was there a week ago. I, I, the only time I'm ever in the cemetery is when you go there. Yes, yes. So, so what she's saying to them is, is don't go to the <laughs> cemetery. It's, you know, there's. I'm not in the cemetery. I'm <laughs> here, and so you go there, and I'll go there with you if that's what you want to do. Uh, Who would think that we could still get to nag our husbands when we're not, we're not in our bodies anymore? I just love that. And she's a delight. And we have... We yes, have, she's wonderful. So what happened was that uh, Dr. Nanji would come over from Sweden, where he retired, and would come into Leslie Flint twice a year. So every six months he would come in, and this happened for, for several years. We have 22 of the recordings right now of the two of them speaking about these things that are happening, just normal things that are happening in, in their lives. Here's another one. Uh, she sees the gravestone uh, on the grave, and she remarks that it's really strange that he's got his name on it already when he's not there yet. So this is her. And you know the gravestone yes. where you have put your name, but yes. you're not there yet. No, but, <laughs> but you, you are very funny. Yes. I have to laugh at you. Yes. You have uh, on the gravestone. Yes, I you have. have got my name and because. date, and now you have got your name, but no date. No date. Because yes. you don't know when you're coming. Yes, exactly. But you will be able to have the date put in when you are yes. here. Yes, yes, that's right. We will make arrangements for yes, you. Yes, There is room for yes. you. Yes. Because but you won't be there. You will be with me. 
But it seems so strange that you should have already arranged to put your name on the stone when you are not there yet. They're marvelous. So, and I wonder if she was like that in life. Yeah, she, apparently she was, yeah. So, so, oh, my. Yeah, let me, let me uh, explain why we know that these are true. They're, they're so unbelievable. That they go beyond the boggle point for most people. They just don't yeah. These are true. The first reason that we know that they're true is that Leslie Flint, the medium, is sitting there with Dr. Nanji. There's nobody else there. He has been, Leslie Flint was tested by thousands of, of testing individuals during seances. He did his work for free. Uh, he would be in presentations that were in hotel rooms, so they weren't even in his, in his location. He would do them when he was doing them for groups of people. Uh, there was never, ever an instance of fraud. They actually put a throat microphone on him so that if there were any vibrations of his vocal cords that would have been recorded, they put colored water into his mouth and they taped his mouth shut with elastoplast, which is uh, surgical tape. And then he had to spit out the colored water afterwards to demonstrate that it was that, that water. They did over and over again. They tested him. He was never found to be a fraud. And besides that, how could the, uh, a man like Leslie Flint, who had a, a bass voice, m imitate a woman's voice oh, right. and make yeah. that kind of a voice? The second reason we know that this is true is Dr. Nanji was a professor at Birmingham University in the UK. He was in uh, nutrition. And we have his papers uh, now. We have the patents that he made. Uh, all of them are available, and you can look at them. So we know that he is a real person, a verified person, and he is having conversations with his wife. And nobody could fake the conversations that they're having together. No, they're uh, funny. <laughs> really funny. Knows he came twice a year to Leslie Flint to sit and speak with his wife, who is in spirit. So we know that that's a reason it's true. And the third reason that we know it's true is that he would come in and she would describe to him things that he was doing in his daily life, such as walking to the cemetery uh, and bringing a ring and a lock of hair with him uh, to that day. And so Leslie Flint, who was the only other person in the room, certainly would have no knowledge about all these things that he had done with uh, in his life that Annie was commenting about. So we know that she, the only way that she could have that information is that she's walking around with him unseen. So we have abundant evidence that these are real recordings of a person living in the life after this life who's speaking to her, her husband, sitting in a room with Leslie Flynn. So <laughs> there's no doubt about the fact that that's true. It's, it's amazing. And anyone who finds this fascinating can just go to the website. Is it leslieflint.com uh, or .org or what? At, with, with one com. of those. Dot com. Mm -hmm. Dot com. Okay. You can, yes. you can go there and you can hear these all day long. And there are some from famous people whose voices had been, had been recorded, voices you would know, and you can hear them speaking after their death, and it's the same person. It's astonishing. Um, no, nobody who is open-minded and goes and listens to some Leslie Flint, it will ever feel again that, it, that, that we don't survive our death. It's so obvious and so amazing. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, and, uh, but I think those two are, they make me laugh. I think those two are so funny. 
Yeah, and if you just come to this with an open mind, and it's not just this. What we're doing is we're just taking the first of the 15 areas of evidence. This is just the first. So uh, the others are equally compelling if people will just look come to them with an open mind and then do the research and be skeptical and, and look at the research in, uh, that we have that shows that these, in fact, are the individuals coming through from the life after this life. And she, Annie also shows that she's able to register Dr. Nanji's thoughts so that she knows what he's thinking and what he's feeling as she's with him. Uh, this is a recording of her. She was with Dr. Nanji when he was walking down the street and he saw a woman in the distance that looked very much like Annie. And it startled him. It stopped him for a minute. And Annie knew what had happened. She knew his thoughts. And she actually tells him about it in, in this instance. You know, the other day, before yeah. you come here, yes. you were walking along the street. Yes. And you saw someone in the distance, and it reminded you of me. <laughs> and for a moment, you almost stopped, you know, as if your heart stopped beating. Because yes. you knew it was not me. In a yes, way, but at the same time, she was very like me. Yes. Also, the way she moved, walked, yes. you know. Yes. <sighs> but this, of course, is... I do know. I, I thought mentally, yes, she looks like her, but she hasn't got her brain. Ah, um, no, you shouldn't say that. You don't know. She might be highly intelligent. No, I don't know. You know, you always think, oh, you are so naughty. She, this woman was very much like me. I think she probably was highly intelligent. Marvelous. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, they, could, they could have a comedy act. They really yeah. could. They're so, they're so cute. So, um, honestly. Yeah, to give you another instance, uh, Leslie Flynn, as I said, there were thousands of these recordings. Uh, there was a man named Michael Fearon who was killed in World War II. His mother, Alice Fearon, came and sat with Leslie Flint, and, and she did this every week for a period of time and would have conversations with her son, who was in spirit, who, who was in the life after this life. And what's important about this one is that they actually played the recording that she made with Michael in spirit and the BBC played it and they asked her, are you sure this is your son? And she said, absolutely. After all, I should know my own son. So this is the recording and this is from Michael Fearon, who was killed in World War II, speaking to his mother. Uh, he begins. Satisfactory. I mean, I, I love coming to talk to you. It's a wonderful opportunity and it means so much to me, as indeed it does to everybody who has the opportunity to come through and speak to those who they love on earth. Such a vast difference to people if they understood this and realized that, that death isn't what they think it is. It isn't this no contact between us. There is no death. It's only an illusion. Man has created death in his own mind. And that's so man profound. Has death in his own mind. Man has created death in his own mind. In other words, death is an illusion. There is no death. It absolutely is. There is no such thing as death. Uh, in the, and what happens is there is a transition. There are changes. So we do change form. We change from one form to another. But there is no such thing as death. 
so we have allowed ourselves to be deluded into believing that there is a death, that people somehow leave uh, the earth plane and that they're gone forever. Uh, and that, that came out of the uh, scientific community in the past 400 years. But before that, the clergy, the, the church community was keeping spirituality to, to itself. So it wasn't allowing people to make these discoveries, the discoveries they should have been making. The, the science textbooks, we now have science textbooks. And alongside the science textbooks, there should have been this, the growth in spirituality. So at the same time that science was maturing, spirituality should have been maturing. So today we would have the two right along with each other in the same textbooks. But the fact is that the clergy, the priests first were holding it to, to themselves and would not allow the common people to say what is really going on in their lives, what they knew to be true. And then science said it's absurd. Uh, there's no reason for a God. There's no reason for the belief in an afterlife. And so then they held it in check. And as a result of that, then we don't have it in the textbooks today, but they should have been spirituality. In other words, this knowledge about the life after this life, the knowledge about the greater reality should have been in the textbooks along with the, the scientific discoveries. They should have grown up at the same time, but they didn't. Oh, yes. Instead, for the whole 20th century, we had this absurd, ridiculous battle going on between, you know, science thought it was fighting. Actually, I, I'm told that the reason that they, they would, wouldn't look at the evidence that was coming in the turn of the 20th century was because they were afraid of finding God. They, they you know, religions couldn't win. They had to be scientific. And therefore, they thought they, they were battling a phantom and they battled a phantom for 100 years trying to keep trying to make make people not think religion was right when in fact they're both wrong i mean anything with a dogma is a belief system it's a religion by definition and they adopted a dogma of materialism more than 100 years ago and they hold to it to this day it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, this, uh, we do have a separation of church and state in the United States. But the fact of the matter is that materialism is the state religion. That's right. Yes, yes. And, and yes. Uh, it, it's enforced at the, at the government level. Uh, and so then it, it, there is no separation of church and state. It, it's just a new religion that's being forced upon people. And, and uh, children are being taught this in school. Uh, and and they're being being taught this in society in general. Uh, all of the models that they have are teaching them that uh, that they are going to die. There is nothing they can do about it. They're going to be gone forever. And they, as a result of that, then they should just get whatever they want to get out of their lives. This is one life. This is the only one life to live. And so let's just take everything that we can get for ourselves. And regardless of what's going, what we feel about other people or what's going on with other people. And it's a, a, just a desperate, unfortunate lie. And it's as you point out, I mean, it turns us into awful people. Anyone who believes that. Um, you know, life sucks and you die, you'd better get yours. And if anyone wonders why our cultures, all of our cultures are so basically negative and corrupt and, and unfeeling and, and unloving, 
there that's science that's the, the dead end of your life that science is insisting is there and everybody's out to get their own when in reality we're here for a very specific purpose we've talked about it on seek reality we're here to learn and grow spiritually at the craig calls it earth school i call it a gym a spiritual gym it's the same thing we're just here to learn and grow all these experiences are for that purpose and yet you you have to seek that that information it's just it should be taught in school kids should be you're right they should be learning that in school yeah they should be and and uh, the society in general should be explaining that families certainly should be so families should be if if the family was functioning in the way in which it should then they we would be sitting at the breakfast table the family would be sitting around the breakfast table and and a, one of the little children in the family would say i, I sense that grandma's here Yes. Oh, and, uh, oh, grandma, everybody would say hello to grandma and, and would uh, would have uh, words with her. And and then some of them might even get messages coming through mind to mind from grandma. And it would just be a normal course of the day that, that people would come through from the other side. And that is the way that life should be, because that <laughs> that, that is the reality. It is so. that way in some families. I have one of my granddaughters is, I think, um, somewhat psychic. And when she was like a year and a half old, barely starting to talk, I went, we were all getting into cars, going on some trip together as a family in several different cars. And I heard her talking to her father and, and saying, you know, Daddy, can Grandma come? And he said, sure. And they made space for her Grandma in the back seat. Grandma had been dead for quite some time by then. Wonderful. That's the way it should be. So the second area, the second out of 15 areas is, is the materialization mediums. And these mediums are able to sit in a room and people materialize, actually come into the room and materialize from the other side. And they, they then will come up to the people. They'll talk to, to a person who knows them well, knew them well when they were in a body and then speaks to them, tells them things that are intimate about their lives together, uh, touches them and even kisses them. Uh, I actually was sitting in a seance in which I had a, a, uh, two individuals come up to me and put their hands over the top of my head so that I could feel the breadth of their hands. And one was a very large hand, one was a small hand in the same seance. And they will, they can come into the earth plane, materialize, and then speak to individuals here in the earth plane. Uh, I'm gonna give you an example. This is, um, Montague Keene was a researcher in uh, the afterlife and the afterlife affairs. And he worked with a, a group of people, the, the Foys who were part of the school experimental group and, and others who were doing the research at the time. And he materialized, came into a seance with David Thompson, the materialization medium. And so this is Montague Keene. He's coming in. You're going to hear all of the sitters, the people who are in the room who knew him well. And he's going to announce himself and then he's going to speak to them.
we have recordings of these people as well who have come through and and i actually have sat in in a number of seances in which people have come through and have spoken to individuals in the room and, and had extended conversations with them so this is just another way in which they come through from the other side we have the evidence we have the recordings we have people who have sat in the rooms with these individuals and they've materialized and the evidence is just there we've got it, 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 it it's so abundant it's hard to imagine that people still don't realize the reality of the life after this life and it's fine if you're skeptical, you should be. Everybody should be skeptical. Um, I was so skeptical when I discovered the turn of this previous century communications that came through um, deep trance mediums and, and had been published in books. I found the books in bookstores um, in the early 70s and, and you know, uh, uh, used bookstores. And I started reading. And I read and I read and I was so skeptical. I was sure it wasn't true. It took me two years of doing that reading, but they all, all clearly were all different communications. And these people all, hundreds of them had been to the same place, big place, complex place, but the same place. That's what convinced me. And that's the only thing you can do if you're skeptical, but you still want to know the truth. And knowing the truth is more important than being right about your preconceived notions. When science understands that, we're going to make progress. Nikola Tesla, who had a famous line of cars named after him, but was a great 19th century polymath, he said that when, when science starts to investigate non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in five years' time than it has made in its entire previous history. He's right. And he's working on this by the way, from over there at the moment. He's one of the people we know is doing that. Oh my goodness, Craig, we're coming to the end of our time. We, we have to do this again because I'm finding, I'm having so much fun listening to these people and we, we could do a lot more of them. Um, um, but what, what do you want people to take away? Is it, what's most important for people to take away from learning these things? The important thing is to be open to look at the evidence, to be to be allowed to allow yourself to look at it, to, to just if you see evidence, then instead of saying, "Oh, that's nonsense," you know, I can't I can't believe in that. That to say, well, why do why is that true? What is, what is it there about that that that's true? Why do people say that that's true? And just to be open to it, and it's just like water finding its own level. The truth will find. The, anybody who's open to it because we have the evidence it's out there people people just have to be willing to and open to listening to it uh, all of the evidence this evidence of, from the 15 areas is in in my book uh, I, I pr produced the book because I want to teach people I want people to become Con convinced, absolutely convinced about the reality of the afterlife and that they are, are immortal spirits who will never die and their loved ones are waiting for them and they're going to have wonderful reunions and they just need to know that. Absolutely. Oh, this is so wonderful. Craig, Craig's website is afterlifeinstitute.org uh, because Afterlife Research and Education Institute, A-R-E-I, is um, he, he's president of it, and it's, you should join. It's a wonderful organization um, and growing. Um, so, but this that'll all be in the the title of his book and how to get it will all be in the notes to to this um, interview. 
And um, if you if you have any reactions to this, I'm happy to hear from you and give me the, your reactions. If you want to hear more of this? There's, as he says, just in that one, uh, with that one medium, uh, Leslie Flint, there are thousands of these. And some of them famous people. I would love to have a bunch of famous people talk to you in their familiar voice from mid-century, mid-20th century. I think you'll be boggled because they boggle me whenever I listen to them. But Craig, thank you so much for being here. Consider yourself hugged. It's a delight. Thank you. We've come to the end of our time, everyone. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, and I'm so happy you were with us today. Hasn't this been fun? Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you get that, it'll change everything in your life for the better and you'll begin to change the world. Next week, our guests will be our wonderful friends, Carol and Mikey Morgan, and they'll be with us for the 15th time. As, as most Seek Reality listeners know, Mikey Morgan is a very advanced being who last incarnated on Earth in the 1600s, and he's become so concerned about the way things are going on Earth that he chose to take a voluntary brief 20-year additional lifetime that ended in 2007 because he wanted to be able to speak to us, tell us the truth in the voice of a modern American kid with the help of his mother, who swears she never would have signed up for this, but... Carol is a very, very good sport. Um, it sounded, this was a preposterous story when I first heard it from them directly in 2011, but I've since tested Mikey. Six ways to Sunday. I have tested and tested him. I have watched him answer questions. He's answered hundreds and hundreds of questions in my presence. And I have never seen him get anything wrong. And I'm not the expert. But I can tell obvious frauds, and believe me, I have long since come to understand this is the real deal. And um, frankly, <laughs> Mikey and Craig Hogan are the only two people I know who know more about the afterlife than I do. And that's after I spent 50 years studying it. So people occasionally send in questions to me. I give them to Carol. She asks Mikey for the answers. Next week, we're going to be having her share some of his answers with us. I think you'll really enjoy this. I always love these. So please be sure to be with us next week. And of course, this week, we've been talking with our wonderful and glorious friend, Dr. R. Craig Hogan, and he's been with us for the 32nd time. Craig is the world's leading overall expert on death and the afterlife. And he has outdone himself this year. He has like six books, fresh in print. Every one of them is, and I've read them. I, I, I think I've read all but the last two, but I will read them all. But I've looked at them all. I can't believe how what a scholar he is when the books that I write look like kitty toys compared to his. But this new one is called You Will Never Die, Evidence Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. And it is just that. When you put all the evidence together, the hard part is believing. It is taking, it is taking us so long to get to these glorious, illuminating truths. But the only way the truth can dawn is person to person. I mean, if we had, if we had an angel touch down in Times Square and announce the truth, nobody would believe it. Of course, that's got to be a racket. The only way the truth can dawn is ground up and, and person to person. So each of us has a sacred responsibility to ourselves, to our families, and to the world to learn the truth. And I'm not afraid to have you because if you are broad-minded, you are going to find more, more glorious truths than you can imagine. 
so again, Craig Hogan, um, he he is he's my hero, and I'm so happy that you were able to be here with us. And uh, and, and we'll we'll be talking about all these things again. We've run out of time, as you know. I have books too, but you already know what they are. And uh, um, I am eager to hear from you. If you have a question, there's a green contact block on robertagrimes.com. Just send me an email. It can take me a few days, but I'll get back to you. And meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being, and you most of all in the universe, you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. 